Hey pumpkins, it's Nick. The following episode of Copulators Die First contains spoilers about the film we are discussing this week. And if you haven't seen the film, go ahead and give it a watch. Don't worry, we'll be right here waiting for you when you're ready. Yeah, and as always, don't forget to rate, comment, and subscribe on your favorite listening application. Now, on to this week's episode. Hello, Pumpkin Patch, and welcome to another episode with your friends, me and Nick. <laughs> Hi, hello. Hello, friends. I'm, I'm trying new things. I was about to go, I was about to do the Alaska high like I always do, but then I was like, what if I do RuPaul's hello, hello, hello? But I can't do it right. So then I was like, I'll do Tina, Tina, Shanu's Hilo, which, unless you watched um, SNL in like 20. I don't know, 14. You probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but hi-lo. Hello, Nicholas. I am super wired on sugar because I made cinnamon roll waffles to surprise my husband today because he went out last night and got super drunk. And now he's sleeping because he's still hungover. Man, let me tell you, I... It's been a while since I've been drunk enough to have a hung a, a hungover, just a one hungover, just one, hang, just one, a hangover, and um, I can actually provide you the actual date because this was the day Tiana and Danielle got married, and uh-huh. they were like, we paid a lot of money for this open bar, and I said, say no more, friends, and um, I was hungover for two days. I mean, I get it. And, like, now, like, um, uh, I know I know that both of us are very big fans of Jenna Marbles. Um, uh, yeah. On the, on the tube of you. Yeah. Um, and you know how, like, recently she's been like, welcome to another episode of the life of a 32-year-old lady. <laughs> That's me. Welcome to the life of a 29-year-old individual um, who well, yeah. so is, whenever there's, whenever is there's, trying like, to settle down and be more of an adult. Well, exactly. So, like, whenever there's, like, a moment where I'm, like, reminded of the fact that as you age, your body is, like, nope, you can't do that anymore. <sighs> yep. Me I every mean, time I eat hot sauce. <laughs> any, well, for me, it's any time I eat hot dogs. Really? <laughs> yeah. Hot dogs and hot sauce. Ooh. Which, like, honestly is the worst thing ever because I really freaking enjoy a hot dog. And it's not like I eat them every day of the week because high, um... Nitrates. Sure, yeah, and I'm pretty sure my heart would have exploded by now if that's what I did. Yeah, but I mean, when we when we hung out and we went on a lunch date, we got a ton of hot dogs. <laughs> um, yeah, and they were freaking delicious. They were really and, good. Uh, I think the only reason I didn't get heartburn from that is because we drank so much like fresh fruit juice with it. We did. Like that's not like we had juice boxes. Like we went to the farmers no, no. market and we got fresh fruit juice. It was legitimate. So like. I think my body was like, okay, you can have this one. You know and what you, I mean? And you drink a lot of water, too. Oh, so, I like, drink a lot of water, which is something I have to start doing just more of in general because this summer, Nicholas is going to, you know, I'm not I'm not looking to drop, like, 10,000 pounds, but, like, I just want to feel more comfortable in my 31-year-old body. That's how <laughs> – that's – that's going to be my summer as someone who is gearing up for 30. Um, I'm not I'm not terrified of 30 like other people are. I've welcomed 30. Yeah. But I'm making my last rotation in my 20s. Yeah. 
something special. Mm. Um, this summer, we're going to be doing a lot of gay things. I love gay things. Um, we're doing gay things with the podcast this summer. Oh my god, so many gay things. Um, we, as a group of gays, uh, the invitation is extended if you'd like to come, but we're traveling to Kentucky, and we are going to, uh, be in a lockdown at the Waverly Hills Sanatorium, which is, like, I think it's one of the most haunted places in the country. Um, (laughs) I really get, I really get into that shit, but, um... I think my reservation in saying no thanks and um, I'm good is the <laughs> Kentucky part. Yeah, um, I don't know what's scarier, being gay in Kentucky, being gay, or being gay in a um, haunted TB hospital. I don't know. Yeah. Or, or being in a haunted TB hospital. There are many factors that yeah. were on the table and I still said yes. I mean, but like fun. you know what I mean like you you gotta like you gotta take chances um and I, I think for me I know where my limit is in being a 31 year old <laughs> lady uh, <laughs> it just doesn't sound as good with like man so I just went with the lady part it's no fine. that's fine um 31 year old homo there that's we go that's fair here we go um, yeah we found our key so so like there it is and like um I just, I, I want to follow in Jenna Marble's footsteps and just live my life the way I want to. And that involves being on antidepressants and reminding myself to stop stressing about things that I can't control, but also reminding myself as well that like you're obese and as much as people think you're cute and cuddly, you don't want to have back problems at 32 because you're a 31-year-old homo. So No, I feel that. I'm on the same page, man. Yeah. I like, have I'm going on a strict diet of chicken and rice for the next forever long. I don't know. I mean, I I don't think I'll be doing that. Um, but I certainly need to uh reacquaint myself with a plethora cornucopia if you will of colorful fruits and vegetables and also on top of that like the other side of this and like especially in the homosexual lgbtq plus community i know i'm not the only one or both of us really when i say that um body dysmorphia and body issues in general just run rampant for a lot of young individuals and i think that it's even more so the case for a lot of young homosexual individuals because there's very specific standards that we impose upon ourselves within our own group, within the main population. 100%. And 150%. Um, and, like, I'm always the one that's, like, I know I'm hairy. I'm always going to be hairy. Like, you're going to, quote, call me a bear and whatever. And, like, that's fine. But at the same time, I've always had a belly. I will always have a belly because I am not built to be like an Adonis muscle person. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, you would, you of all people would know it's in the genetics. And I've like resigned myself to knowing that I will never be as skinny as I want to be. Well, right. And like, it's not made for my body. Like, yeah. It's not going to happen. And it's just, it's taken me a long time to realize that for myself. Um, 
And like, I'm finally at the point where I'm like, I'm going to go to the beach and not keep my shirt on the whole time because fuck it. Like, why? Right. And I will, I will eventually get there Um, myself. mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, it's taken a lot of internal work, but I've gotten to that point. But what I will have to do is put on a shit ton of sunblock because uh, I take Prozac and um, one of the side effects is that it reduces your um, skin's ability. Uh, Well, I don't know. Either way, you're more you're more prone to sunburn when you're on some antidepressants, which both Arthur and I pulling him into the situation now um, know very well, because like if we ever go to the beach, like in the last couple of years, we're always like, why the fuck do I have a sunburn? And we're like, oh, because we're on medication. So I know. know. I'll go out there with no shirt on, but I'm gonna have to spray my whole fucking body down with some like motherfucking like SPF 100, which makes me really sad because as as a Mediterranean man, my skin is good with the sun, but not so much while I'm on meds. So I'm just gonna have to change my um routine a little bit and that's also a thing that they don't specifically tell you like um women out there who are taking birth control if you are taking an antibiotic it will cancel out your birth control that is the thing that fucking happens that they don't tell you about like girl that's important that's fucking important and i feel like everybody should know that consult your doctor you know, as someone who is, like, not actively taking birth control, because that's just not something that I've ever needed. Um, <laughs> as someone who, like, you know, I, it's very weird to me now, like, as a 29-year-old homo. But if, <laughs> if you, like, hung out with me 10 years ago and sat me down and were like, in 10 years, you are going to be married and, like, actively planning a family, I would have punched you in the face and called you a liar. <laughs> because... Yeah. It was just nothing. It was just something um, growing up in the household that I did who with parents that are still married, but not necessarily should be, (laughs) Mm -hmm. to put it in the nice way possible. Mm -hmm. Um, I never wanted that for myself. And I never, I was kind of like, I resigned myself to like, I'm not going to even fucking fuck with that because... It's just not for me. And then I met my wife. And I was like, this is a really nice lady. This is a really nice homo. Maybe I should marry her. So um, next week. Well, yeah. When this episode airs is the day before our second wedding anniversary. So. Yay. Very strange. Very strange how life happens. Uh, Um, And I feel like that's a good lead in to the movie we're going to talk about this week. Honestly, it is. That's a good one. And we didn't even plan that. We just decided to have a little heart-to-heart conversation with all the people out there. So, one, you're welcome. Two, we're masterful at our job. So, Three, three, take your fucking meds. This is a reminder to me and you and everybody else. Don't forget to take your meds, man. (sighs) Yeah. Because I am admittedly not great at it. Yeah, and it's kind of bad when you aren't. Yeah, it's kind of bad when, you know, you have um, uh, a psychosis now that you're dealing with and medicating. And you should probably remember to take your meds every day. Mm -hmm. So, yay, take your meds every day 
ladies and gents. Yeah, and this is being a responsible adult corner with Ash and Nick. So yeah. So as a 29-year-old homo, I submit to the approval of the Midnight Society, the 2005 bizarre classic, The Strangers. Yes. Um, based on real events. Supposedly. I mean, cool. Allegedly. Allegedly. But then, so I want to know how, like, is this just based on a specific murder? Because I don't think the rest of the storyline has anything to do with the actual murder. Unless I'm wrong, because I could be. But the storyline in this movie is so specific and, like, so awkward. Right. And then it's like, oh, by the way, these people are going to get killed, too. Um, Also, I'm a liar, and this was in 2008, not 2005. I thought it was 2005. I I thought so, too, but IMDb stands me corrected and says 2008 mystery slasher one hour 31 minutes okay fine well you know just just over that 90 minute mark so yeah i literally thought this was 2005 and then i was like i saw this in theaters when i was in college i feel like with a group of friends of mine and then i ended up going back with one of my friends she was house sitting and that was the biggest i don't think i've i slept for like a day because I was so terrified. I was like, this yeah. is a decision that I fucked up on. I messed up. I thought we saw it together in New Jersey. Did we see it together in New Jersey or am I making that up? I feel like you may have crisscross applesauce because well, I actually saw this with my ex-girlfriend. Okay. So that means that I saw this with Chris. And another person that I don't know who it is because I thought it was you. It wasn't me. And we had, we had to drive home in like really, really bad fog. And I was just like, no, like we are being followed and we're going to get murdered. Um, yeah. I saw this in um, Gettysburg, PA. Cool. Um, the sum- It was the summer before I went to college. So there was a chance that I might have seen it with you too, like at a later date. I mean, maybe I just I I have such a very specific memory that maybe it doesn't matter. Regardless, the strangers, it's happening. We're talking about it. It is a stranger on stranger <gasps> exploitation of violence movie. Um, yes, cool um, work. Takes- this movie came out May 30th, 2008, so it was, like, it might have been a Memorial Day weekend release, which is, like, a bold move mm-hmm. for a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because, hi, Brightburn is coming out for Memorial Day weekend, and I have high hopes. Uh-huh. Um, so, is The Strangers a true story? Um, um, I don't know. So, I mean, so it's based on specific murders that happened my question is like is the story in this movie of the couple that gets murdered true to what happened to the people that got murdered in real life um i don't know but in my mind 
it was really freaking awkward to go from their situation to them suddenly being in mortal danger. Um, so should we just like jump right into this? Because I have qualms and complaints. Yes. Um, but the thing I just read on the internet suggests that this could loosely be based on the August 9th murders of Sharon Tate and co. Okay. So that could give you, that could paint a picture for us if we're looking at it from a historical standpoint. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, realistically, realistically, a mass murder conducted by members of the Manson family on August 8th and 9th, 1969, which claimed the lives of five people. Four members of the Manson family invaded the rented home of married celebrity couple actor Sharon Tate and director Roman Polanski. Oh. Right. So, right. So, no. I think they just had to, like, make up a story for, like, why these people are in this cabin. Right. Um, well, let's see. What is these? What are these Keddy Cabin murders? Okay, so while you're doing a Keddy Cabin, Google. Um, 1981 American quadruple homicide. Yes, I've known about that. Um, it's very strange. Oh, I do know about this. Yeah, it was because the, the of family my... of four, right? Yeah, and I know this about this because I listened to my favorite murder. Uh, yes, I uh, I know you were a Georgia Hardstark fan. I love her so much. I also love Karen Kilgariff, but like I like Stan OG. Georgia Hard Start. Right. Uh, um, I'm a big fan of uh, Crime Junkies based out of Indianapolis, mm -hmm. which is about three, four hours from here. Uh -huh. So they do cover a lot of Ohio murders and missing things as well. So if you are interested in that, I suggest checking them out because I really like them. They are uh, a two for a team of two lifelong best friends. Oh. So, um, they talk about murders and missing individuals. And I think they may have covered the cabin murders as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to that, therefore say, given we just looked up what murders that, you know, these were potentially inspired by, that this storyline was created from scratch for this movie. And because of that, my question is, why? Because... There was too much emotional baggage in the what ended up becoming an extraneous storyline for the first half an hour or 45 minutes of this movie before the actual violence started happening, um, which therefore left a lot of things like unresolved. Um, there, there's so much emotional tension between... Yeah. Liv Tyler and uh, Scott Speedman. Yeah, it's awkward. It's like, I feel very uncomfortable. And, like, that was, like, what occurs between the two of them is, like, slash was my worst fear about, like, asking my wife to marry me. It was her oh being like, oh, I yeah. don't, mm. I mean, you know what I mean? Arthur asked me, so I did not have any of those um, stresses or anxieties. Right. But, um... It's just an odd choice in build-up. You know what I mean? So so what are we even talking about, people? What are we talking about? So I will say this before I say anything else. 
I enjoy this movie. This is one of the only movies that I feel like anyone you say like, oh, we're talking about the strangers this week. Um, it's one of the only movies that almost everyone will say, oh yeah, that actually scared me because it could really happen. Yes. Um, I did not. So I've seen this movie like so many freaking times, like around the time that it came out. Yes. I probably haven't seen it for like maybe five, six years or whatever. It's been a minute for me as well. I completely forgot what the storyline between the main characters was. And then I was watching it yesterday and I was like, oh my God, this is so freaking awkward. So basically it's Liv Tyler and her boyfriend. um, Scott Friedman, he's from Felicity. Okay, so let's call them Liv and Scott then. Yeah. Um, Oh, his name was James. I don't know what her name was. Kristen, uh, maybe? Kristen. Kristen. Yeah. Kristen and James. Um, but, you know, she to me, she's Liv because yeah. you know, she will always be Liv Tyler. Um, literally and always. Well, literally and always, yes. Um, also, like, why did they pick Liv Tyler for this movie? Um, I feel like, you know, Armageddon happened. And then, like, not that she is bad or anything, but, like, she didn't have, like, a su- su- super stupendous career or anything. And then, like, out of nowhere, she's starring in this horror movie. I don't know. But anyway. It was like, it was like Armageddon, Lord of the Rings, uh-huh. and, and then The Strangers. Yeah, it was just, I don't know. It seemed like oh, a- pre-Armageddon was Empire Records. This is true. Which and- ties back to our, uh, uh, the craft episode, because Robin true. Tooney didn't have hair. She did not. And um, now we know why. Um... And, uh, I mean, and of course, before any of that, she was just Steven Tyler's daughter, you know. But By accident. She but didn't even told, know it. Just an oopsie. She didn't okay. realize. So, uh, to put into perspective really quick, the movies that this was up against for the summer of 2008 horror, right? Uh-huh. Num- number one was Cloverfield. Oh, I never uh, saw that. Never. Not me either. Um, I'm just going to name the ones that people might know, because there are some that I've never even heard of. Um, Diary of the Dead. Uh-huh. Uh, Midnight Meat Train, if you haven't seen that, that's an adventure. I haven't seen that either. It's pretty good. Um, It's about a bunch of dudes, and they're trapped on a subway. I mean, honey, it's either the name of a horror movie or really bad gay porn. <laughs> or a combo. Or both, yeah. Um, Mirrors. I never saw that either. <laughs> I think I've seen it. Um, Quarantine. Saw that. Yeah, I think we saw that together. We probably did, yeah. Um, Saw 5. Definitely saw that, because I was really into Saw for a minute. Splinter, which I don't know what that is. I do know what that is. We should cover it at some point, but... The the Ruins, which is not The Descent. Oh, yes. The one that I always think is The Descent. And I'm like, no, no, hunty. It's not as good as The Descent. Yeah. Um, And The Strangers. Those were the top... Of the top 12 horror movies for the summer. The strangers, the strangers being number twelve on the list. I don't think they ranked anything else other than numerically. So, yeah. um, so those were the movies of the time to put this film into perspective of what it was up against that summer. Well, right, and and I feel like this this time in horror history was very much that time where people were becoming far more self aware because of social media cracking through, but yes. also. We were coming back to that, like, self-awareness of, like, the evil doesn't have to be a boogeyman type of thing. Like, 
most of the aughts in general were very much like people are evil and gross sometimes and like no like no don't do it but you know gross things happen and like there was also you know a whole bunch of the movies that were like super violent like almost on the edge of exploitation and i think like obviously the the precipice of that was like the hostile movies and stuff and saw obviously i'm not a fan of the hostile um no me either those are probably one of the only groups of movies that i refuse to watch because hostile is just gross to be gross and i have i have seen them but i'm going to put my foot down now as an adult Mm -hmm. that I firmly believe we should not give them attention as far as an episode. I mean, no, that was never, never on my radar anyway. And I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, We will not be covering snuff films on this podcast. No, absolutely not. And like, if you want that, go somewhere else. Yeah. Don't get out of here. Take your ears with you. Um, so anyway, um, so, like, violence in movies was more so, like, a character. You know what I mean? Oh, fully. Yes. Um, and I think this is one of those movies that, like, falls into that, like, semi-exploitation category. Um, but, like, home invasion or, like, just movies happening in one place where you cannot leave or something like that. Very much a popular idea for this time in horror. So, like... Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. I definitely think that The Strangers is great. Like, obviously, we have to read this movie to filth because that's what we do. And I have very specific concerns and questions about it. But overall, it's a good movie. Um, Um, This movie, I was talking to Bethany yesterday about this mm -hmm. um, because I, I got to hang out with her for an afternoon and we had discussed what we're doing this week. And I told her we were doing The Strangers. And like you said... Whenever you mention this to people, they automatically go to the place of, fuck no, that movie ruined a lot of things for me. Um, And one of them being the sense of safety in my own home for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am deeply and horrendously afraid of a home invasion. That's like one of my deepest, darkest fears in life is like... That totally makes sense to me. And this, I think this movie hearkened on that and terrified me more than it should have <laughs> yeah yeah or and appropriately I, so honestly yeah and and i feel like this is also another thing where like in this time in horror history as well movie makers were purposefully trying to fuck with the audience yes um and make them uncomfortable in ways that maybe because of the historical time not really because of like technological constraints or anything but just like what was apropos to talk about or to see on screen or like what would pass and what wouldn't when it was being screened for it to be rated and stuff um like there was just things that were more psychologically damaging than before so i think that this movie falls into all of those categories um Anyway, so back to the awkward as fuck storyline in this movie. We have Yikes. Liz and we have Scott 
and they're getting to Scott's family's cabin, basically in East Bumblefuck somewhere, you know? Yeah. Um, and they're like really being awkward and you're like, what is going on? Like, I don't understand. Like, do these people like each other or not? And, um, they walk into the, um, the, well, it's a house. It's not a cabin, but, um, Liv is like, I need a cigarette right now. Scott's like, I'm going in the house. And, um, we slowly start to unravel through context clues that like there was supposed to be a very romantic weekend situation going on here, yes. but something got fucked up and now it's no longer romantic at all. So what we come to learn is that they were at someone else's wedding and Liv was in the wedding party. Scott was or wasn't they don't really specify that but like then scott was like well this is the perfect time at this celebration of love to celebrate my love for Liv tyler and ask for her hand in marriage but like i have a few issues with the way he did it um if he was gonna do it it shouldn't have been in the wedding celebration. So I'm glad he took her outside, but it shouldn't have been in a gravel parking lot where people are pulling in and out with their cars, where it's cold and Liv is complaining that she's cold because she doesn't have a jacket on or anything. And she's also clearly intoxicated. Um, so a few things here. It is never okay to propose to your significant other at someone else's wedding. No. Okay. Big fucking no. Don't do it. You are making yourself the biggest fucking douche by doing it. Um like That's like the, the equivalent of like stopping the ceremony to be like, hold on. Right. I have an announcement to make. It's like, I want to pull all of the attention away from the people who paid a lot of money to make this day about them. Um, and honestly, the whole tradition of weddings in the United States is a very sordid affair. Um, and the prices of them and the ways that we celebrate love, like, do it the way you want to. The classic way is really awkward. We shouldn't be having to spend so much to say that you want to spend your life with your best friend and all these things. Whatever. But you don't pull away the attention from the couple when you are invited to their wedding and they paid for your dinner and free drinks. Um, you just don't do that. Because if you do, you're the biggest fucking douchebag in the world. So that's number one. Number two, don't propose to your girlfriend when she's clearly very drunk. Okay? Just don't. And then number three, if she's clearly uncomfortable with the way the situation is going, just read the situation Read the room as we have discussed multiple right. times. And like do it later, like m- even five minutes later, like get her a jacket, maybe get in the car. I don't know. 
Either way, he was really dumb, dumb about it. Like, there was nothing romantic about the situation at all. Um, And long story short, Liv Tyler is like, ooh, um, I'm not ready for this right now. And that's... That's a 150% acceptable answer. Yeah. And like, it wasn't. It wasn't like a no, right? Exactly. Um, um, and the next thing that got my goat, and I'm sure it got yours, was like she's after she said no, and they're back at at his family's. I'm guessing like summer home kind of yeah, thing. Something. He calls his mom and leaves a message with her in earshot, visibly trying to make her feel guilty for saying no. Well, right, because then he goes from, like, I planned all this shit out to, like, wah, I'm a bratty brat, wah. And he's like, this didn't go as planned at all. Call me later. I'm a boy, and uh, things go my way because society likes men better than women. And I wanted to basically have this woman be mine, and she said no, and that's not fair. It's not fair that a woman said no. Well, Uh, sweetie... <laughs> All those things. So, yeah, he's being he's being pretty bratty. He's and being like, fucking petty mayonnaise. Is what I saying. petty mayonnaise indeed. Um, and like I don't blame Liv Tyler for wanting to have a cigarette before going in the house because like she needs to take off the edge. I get it. Um, also, and, she's being polite and not smoking in the house. Yes, she's being polite. She's putting it out before she even steps into the doorway. Like. You go. Um, She's being respectful and responsible. Yeah. And those are two things that James, a.k.a. Scott Speedman, is not into. I mean, like, honestly, James or Scott, whatever, he's not a horrible person. I just feel like his overall reaction to the way the situation went was immature, which, hi, men in America, pretty accurate. Um Regardless, I feel like the next 10 minutes or so of this movie are full of some of the most awkward interactions on film, maybe ever, um, because he's like, your clothes are in the other room, um, you can have the bedroom, it's fine. And then like, they're walking around the house, there's candles everywhere, there's rose petals everywhere. And, like, as romantic as that is, you know Homeboy is not going to end up cleaning up those rose petals. Nope. Um, He'd probably leave them for his parents, um, and they would just rot and make the whole house stink. Um, And then, like, the other thing is, like, um, he's just, like, he's, he's talking out the situation in real time, but out loud and not in his head. So like he's only making Liv Tyler more awkward, um, more uncomfortable. Um, And then like they get to the part where they're like basically touring the house. And he's like, here's the bedroom which you can sleep in. I won't sleep here with you. Don't worry about it. Um, And then they go into the bathroom and he even put rose petals in the bathtub. And then, of course, candles everywhere. Um, And there's this (laughs) really awkward interaction about how he was like, I didn't know if you put them in before the water or after the water. So I just put them in. And she's like, yeah, I don't know either. 
<laughs> um, but like, thanks, I guess. Um, and like, it shows that like, he's really frustrated with the situation, but like, she also feels really bad about saying no. Um, and it kind of breaks the ice a little bit. Um, but like, this is the moment where like, there, there's that flashback scene where you, we see what actually happened. Um, and then you're like, oh, got it. Um, and I don't know, because then, like, there's the whole thing about not only did he, like, set up the cabin to be super romantic and everything. Um, he also had, like, planned for them to go on a road trip immediately after. And... I don't know. I feel like it's just a lot at once. And Liv Tyler doesn't seem like the type of woman that wants to be like swept completely off her feet all at once. Like she wants to have some control in the situation. Um, it's a and very it just, masculine dominated situation. Yeah. It's very much like he took care of everything, but like, he's also one of those guys that doesn't, understand romanticism from the other side of the equation so it's so heavy-handedly like I am a man who tried to be romantic in all of the most stereotypical ways but I didn't do it well because I'm a man who's emotionally stunted so it was really just gross and awkward um and Liv takes a bath, and while she's doing that, Mr. Homeboy out there is calling his friend Mike to, like, be like, hey, you gotta come pick me up tomorrow morning, like, as soon as you can. I'm leaving the car for Liv, and I gotta get the fuck out of here, because things didn't go as planned. Um, and, like, hi again, men in America... Um, let's escape a situation as soon as we don't like it anymore. Just drop everything and go because that's how you deal with shit, you know? Yeah. Um, and then he proceeds to pull out a huge tub of bluebell ice cream from the freezer and he just pops that cap and he just like scoops up a whole bunch and shoves it in his mouth. And like, it was so adorable. Um, and then Liv comes out from the shower. She's still wearing her dress. And he's like, you know, you're a closer. And then she's like, yeah, but, like, this dress makes me feel pretty. And um, I just want to wear it. Which, <laughs> like, good on you. Like, don't listen to him. And, like, I am and you are a woman. But um, it's just, like, a lot of, like, the typical, like, horror movie tropes. But, like, in a romantic situation, that's, like, there's no horror in this. You know what I mean? Like, there's no horror injected into this yet. Like, this is a whole different movie. Other than the horror of that socially awkward encounter. Yeah. And, like, I just thought it was so cute that he's, like, I need ice cream. Like, I need to eat my feelings. Like, wah. Um... And then, like, clearly he had planned out a whole dinner situation. Where was the dinner? Like, there was candles lit. There was plates set out and everything. Where was the food they were going to eat on those plates? Did he think about that? Like, what is going on? Also, they were at a wedding. They probably got dinner there. Were you going to have a second dinner? I don't get it. I mean, if you're me, then yeah. But I mean, yes. But, like... It seemed way too late in the evening for them to even be worried about dinner. Yes. Yeah. Like, like, uh, yeah, it was just, it was a lot like, 
were you planning on basically pulling her away from this wedding situation because you were going to propose to her? Like, that also seems rude because she was clearly involved in the wedding party. Like, none of this was planned out well. Like, it just comes back to that. Like, he did not plan this out well. This was really awkward and stupid. He shouldn't have done it the way he did it. Blah, 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 blah. So. Yeah. Gus does um, not like the strangers. Yeah, that's right, Gus. Um, I feel like 90% of this movie would have been avoided had they had a dog, just saying. Um, <laughs> My dog's afraid of the ice machine, so who knows what he could have done had there knows? been a, a, a knock-knock at the door. Yeah. Um, so, which, is, which is where we come to after Scott Speedman's like, I'm leaving and I'm going to get cigarettes. He's like, like I'm going to, he's like, I'm, I'm still a gentleman, so I'm going to light a fire for you. But then I'm leaving you here alone in the woods. So I got to drive. Like, I got to escape. And I got to get out of here because I can't see your face right now. But I'll light you a fire. And she's like, thanks. Um, and he and does he, it wrong. Well, yes, we don't know that yet. But he does it wrong. <laughs> um, and Liv Tyler does a lot of, the, like, the sulking, I'm a weak woman, let me cry into my knees type of stuff. Which, um, as a fat person, I could never do. Yeah, no, like, just let me lay down. Like, <laughs> I just need to lay face down in any sort of soft blanket yeah. and just Disney princess my way through it. That's totally fine. I'd rather much, even if I was skinny, I'd much rather do it that way, you know? <laughs> it's much uh, more dramatic. But, like, here's my first problem with the situation. And I will give the filmmakers credit for continuity here. After Mr. Scott. James dude takes that bluebell ice cream out of the freezer. He never puts it back in the freezer. What a dick. What a dumb it is, dick. It is on the table for the rest of the movie. So it is melting. It is actively melting. There's still the spoon in it. I don't know much, but I do know that bluebell ice cream is a very popular brand of ice cream in certain parts of the country, and it is a premium ice cream. So how dare you disrespect the Bluebell Ice Cream Company by taking their ice cream out of the freezer, eating directly from the container, and then leaving it out to melt? I mean, he's like, you know, an inconsiderate man and probably assumed that Liv Tyler would have put it away for him. Well, guess what, buddy? No, she's not. She's not cleaning up your mess, motherfucker. Uh-huh. So anyway, that's just like, honestly, it's like such a Nick thing, but that's literally one of my biggest qualms with this movie. Okay. That he left the ice cream out? Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's fair. And, as a married man. Yeah. <laughs> as and a married he, man, this is a valid qualm. Right. As a married fat man as well. Like, it's <laughs> just not. But then, so then he also leaves the ring there for her. He's like, just take the ring because I don't want it back. Like, just take it. Take the ring. Also, like, dude. Well, if that's not a side of guilt, I don't know what is. And, like, also, how immature of you to shove this in her face like that. But also, if she said no, guess Why what? Why would she want it? Like, you can save it and try again later if this works out. Or you could return it and get your money back. Wouldn't that be a better situation for you? Right. But, but he's all like, no, just take it. Because I need to feel like I'm sacrificing here. Um, absolutely so that's what happened so then she's all like uh crying into her knees and then this is when we discover that he did not make the fire properly because the entire living room starts filling with smoke 
And Liv Tyler's like trying to get the um, what is it called? The plume or the exhaust thing? Yeah, it's like the open. flu or something. Yeah, that's it. The flu, not the plume. Um, but like it's really hot because there's a fire, <laughs> and she's yeah, like, like she's like fully in the fire. Yeah. And she's like, oh, this hurts. I'm gonna stop now. And because there's smoke, the fire alarm goes off. And then the filmmakers do one of those moments where it's like, oh no, tension is building. What's going to happen? And then it's like, oh no, one of the characters is putting themselves in mortal danger by going on a chair and trying to get something high on the ceiling that she can't reach. And we're like, oh no, what's going to happen? Is she going to fall off the chair? And then it was like one of those fake outs where it's like, oh no, everything's fine. She just got the thing off of the ceiling. Um... And, like, she gets the fire, the the smoke detector off of the ceiling. um, And they make it a really big point to, like, point the camera at the smoke detector on the floor. And it's like, hmm, what's up with that? I don't know. Foreshadowing? Maybe. But (laughs) nothing. Um, So then, I don't know, she's sitting there. She's trying the ring on. I feel like she tried to get it off and she couldn't get it off. I'm not sure because, like, it seems like that's what's happening. But then, like, at the moment she's tugging on it is when, well, okay. I guess you have to back up a little bit because before he leaves, there's the first knock at the door. Oh, yeah. And then the girl with no mask on but with the porch light being off and they're both like, why is the porch light off right now? Oh, right. I completely forgot about one of the most heteronormative, obnoxious, annoying parts of their little awkward situation. Give it to me. If you recall, he's like, take the ring, like, it's fine, take it. And then I forget exactly what happens, but remember they start making out, and then, like, they're about to bone, like, on the counter, and he, like... Yeah. We see him, like, full-on pull off her panties, and we see her, like, full-on, like getting his belt off and shit and like again heteronormative bullshit i was so uncomfortable by that so and i was really uncomfortable not just because of that it was just straight up uncomfortable yeah like it wasn't that it was like heteronormal heteronormative sexual activity it was the fucking timing like it was like you shouldn't number one you should not be having sex right now number two you're like everything is like you're fumbling with everything right now like this is too much work like just don't do it you know you're, what I mean? you're doing too much to make something like the chemistry happen and there's nothing like this is gonna be not even makeup sex this is gonna be gross sex for you like just don't do it um and luckily someone knocks at the door and stops them so Thank you, Platinum Blonde Girl, who ends up being one of the killers, for interrupting their little awkward, I don't know, pre-lovemaking session. Um, And now they open the door, the porch light's out, the girl has blonde hair, she's like, is Tamara here? And they're like, no, Tamara's here. She's like, you sure Tamara's not here? And they're like, no, there's no Tamara here. And she's like, okay, see you later. And, like, real creepy and shit. Um, and this is when I noticed that they have not locked the front door at all yet. Which is fucking dumb. Like, you stayed with me for four days. I am 
anal retentive about my shit being on fucking lockdown. <laughs> well, you should be because we yeah. live in 2019. Anything can happen. Um, I don't care if you live in a town with five people as the population and you all live miles apart from each other. There's nothing saying that your neighbor five miles away or a stranger passing through the area is not going to come up to your door and see if it's unlocked. And then it is. And they're going to come inside and do some bullshit. Just lock your door. Just lock your fucking door. Also, I live in a metropolitan area, as do you. Mm-hmm. Lock your fucking door. Lock yeah. your car door. Lock your windows. Lock your wife. Like, uh, <laughs> Lock your outside door. Lock your inside door. Lock your phone. Lock your computer. Lock your lock. Like, lock all the things. Put a padlock on your padlock. Like, yeah. I just... This movie gives me... It speaks of a simpler time, but a right? simpler time, simpler time of ignorance. Right, but like it's also and, like, and that could have been where they were pulling from, like the Tate, uh, you know, Folger, Folger murders. Yeah, like that was a simpler time. They didn't lock their doors. Yeah, and I guess if they were trying to base this on the actual events, the door had to be unlocked for it to make sense. But anyway, so now we're back to. Mr. James dude is not there because needed to get out of the house and escape and be a man and like wallow in his pity, but not let anybody see else that he's doing it. Um, Liv Tyler's crying into her knees, um, smoke in the house. She gets the thing off of the ceiling. And then um, there's another knock at the door and she goes up to the door, which is unlocked by the way. And she just talks through the door to the person, like, you know, hello, can I help you? And again, like, is Tamra home? Um, And then they walk away eventually. And this is when she finally locks the freaking door. And I'm like... It only took her that long to fucking figure it out. Like, maybe I should lock the fucking door. Yeah. So, like, now little things start to happen. Um, there's like, you know, knocking on the door again, there's knocking on the windows and she's home alone. She's obviously super like, what the fuck is going on? She goes to see, get her cell phone, which in 20, 2008 style is like little flip phone thing. And it's yeah. not charged. So she uses the house phone and calls Scott James, whatever, and she's like, how close are you to being home? And he's like, not at all. Why? What's the problem? She's like, get home now. And he's like, I'm out getting cigarettes. And yeah. she's like, I don't give it. Like, she's like, I don't care about the cigarettes. Like, that's not important. Like, mm-hmm. I that's- am, I am quote unquote naked and afraid. Like, right. yeah. And w- while her phone is charging. Right. Okay. And, so and, that's and, like a thing. That's a thing you should pay attention to. Right. And, and so she's like, like, it just. Ooh. Just get home. Oh boy. And he's like, fine. Like, I guess I'll turn around and come home. Like, whatever. Um, so she's still by herself. She's like, what the fuck is going on? She tries to call him back, and now the phones aren't working. Hmm. That's pretty weird. Yeah. Um, and she's, like, talking to him. She's like, I just need you to stay on the phone with me until you get home. Yeah. Reasonable fucking request. Yeah. And then, like... That would be an indicator to, like, put the pedal to the metal, mister. Like, right. get home. Um, and uh, so there's that. And then she's like, oh, my God, what the fuck is going on? She runs into the bedroom. 
Um, well, I guess the first thing is she like she starts going up to all the windows, which, to be honest with you, I would not do that. No, like, I'm, I, I'm a chicken shit. Yeah. So she goes up to the one big glass, I guess, screen door or whatever. And the dude with the with the mask is there. And he, like, starts banging on the glass. And she's like, holy fuck. Which, like, okay. Like, that's that's an appropriate reaction. Yeah. Uh, what's not an appropriate reaction is she gets a knife. She goes into the bedroom. And then they're tapping on the window outside, like, of the bedroom. And she takes the lamp and smashes it on the floor. Like, why? Um, in the process, she hurts her hand. Um, and then finally, dude bro gets home and he's like, what is the matter? Like, what are you doing? Give me that knife, you crazy fucking person. And she's like, you don't understand. There are people here. Ah. And she's uh, like, she's like stressing that like she saw somebody mm-hmm. and like, if you are like paying attention, the one scene where like she's in the kitchen and she's checking the windows and she's like on the phone with him. Oh yeah, the guy is behind her. Yeah, which is like the I think like probably the iconic moment from this movie. Um, like very much one of the first times this was used so well in a horror movie of its time, where like literally someone's in the house with you. Um. And only the audience knows and the characters don't know yet. And it's um, so terrifying because he's like, I mean, not in that instance, but like in later things, they are basically in arm's length yeah. of of the person, but without touching them is creating this atmosphere of just pure fucking terror and they can't identify why or where it's coming from. And I yeah. think that's what made this movie work so well. Yeah, because, like, the three the three people are just, like, super creepy. And, like, again, it's like, why are you doing this? And they're just doing it because they want to. Which is, yeah, like, because holy you were fuck. Just, like, people are, people are gross sometimes. And um, that's just the way the world is. Um, so she's like, no, like, you don't understand. There are people here. I saw them. Like, you need to believe me. And then they go into the living room and we realize that they put the camera on the um, smoke detector for so long because now it's no longer on the floor. It's sitting on the chair. So that means someone was in the house and someone moved the smoke detector. And she's like, oh, my God, this is actual proof. And he's still like, whatever. So he goes out to the car and he's like, whoa, what the fuck? Yeah, because he left his phone and she's like insisting that her phone is missing. She was like, it was on the charger. Like, it's gone. Someone took yeah. my phone. And he's like, you were literally just being batshit crazy. Like, you're being right. fucking irrational. Right. And she's like, I can't believe you're doing this. You're being such a fucking dick. And like, he is, whatever. Not and wrong. He, yeah, he goes out to the car and he's like, whoa, the car is vandalized. I don't understand. And so he's like, okay, maybe we should go. Like, We should go. go. We should go. Yeah, so they run to the car. They're in the car. They're trying to back up. And then the... He has flat tire. Mm-hmm. And um, when they try to back up, the pickup truck that we see the three people driving away in later in the movie smacks them from behind. And now they're just, like, 
stuck there. And they're like, okay, plan B, go back in the house. Um, But, like, they're not safe anywhere, unfortunately. Um, And then this is where we can, like, super duper speed through these things. So, number one, the ice cream is still on the table and it's still melting. Fuck you, Jace. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? Put the fucking ice cream back in the freezer. Um, Two, he finds the shotgun. They're all like, we got a shotgun. We're good. And then um, his friend Mike, who he called earlier to come and get him the next morning, was kind enough to be like, things don't seem great. I'm going to go there tonight and see what I can do. And they mistake him for one of the intruders. And James, like, full-on, like, puts a bullet through his face. Yeah. I Uh, mean, um, that is Dennis from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, as one of my pointed out. She's like, is that the dude from It's Always Sunny? And I was like, I don't know. But uh, it was. I did a little Googling. My wife's two reactions to this movie are, is that the guy from It's Always Sunny? Followed by, I'm pretty sure James is in on it. Which, in the beginning... You think maybe... There's a possibility. You're like, you know what? Maybe he's just like really super psycho and really pissed off that Liv Tyler said no. Um, but and not, not not entirely out of the realm of possibility in the sense of this movie. No, definitely not. But ultimately, now James has to live with the fact that he shot his friend in the face. But luckily for not much longer because they're both going to die soon. Um, well, at least he is. Um, questionable. Anyway... So he's like, fuck, what the fuck are we going to do? And, like, basically, the next part is, like, really it. So, like, they're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? James is like, there's an old radio transmitter in the shed out there. So I'm going to go and get it, and we're going to, like, tell people to come and help us because that's how far into East Bumblefuck we are. And so he's, like, in the backyard. He's, like, oh, shit, um, pin-up girl mask is in the backyard. Or is it baby girl mask? It's one of the two girls. Um, I think that's pin-up because baby girl, baby doll, she's at the, she was at the porch. Got you. So, anyway, they catch him. They knock him out. Liv Tyler's, like, fuck, ah. And then, like, I forget how. Liv- oh, my God. <laughs> this scene. Yeah. She, she, like, she's, like, waiting right yeah and then like it's been like five minutes like not a reasonable amount of time for her to like be starting to freak out because he's running from three people Mm -hmm. has to be quiet carrying a shotgun in the dark running to the shed okay these are all extenuating circumstances leading up to what would eventually it would probably take somebody a couple minutes to get out there as, as silently as possible. Mm-hmm. So and like when, she, like the dumbass, Nick, what does she do? Well, she runs out there, but like, I forget. She hurts her foot somehow. How does she hurt her foot? She I like, know. she's like running and I guess there's like a ditch. Oh, right. And it's she doesn't account like for the ditch and she like slams her shin right that's, into the bank. That's what it was. Yeah. Like the, um, the ledge of the bank, like a big dumb dumb. Yeah, so she's running, though. She's like, ah! And, like, she does get to the shed, but now she has, like, an ouchie boo-boo. Um, and she's like, okay, cool. I'm in the shed now. And then, um, uh, if you can't hear, there's an ice cream truck outside my house right now. Do you know why that's why I started my um, ice cream leg sleeve? Because we didn't have ice cream trucks in Springfield. 
Well, I feel like we both live in places where there's ice cream trucks now. There are, yeah. Yeah. Um, Not here yet. It's too cold. Well, I don't know why that they're starting so early, but, like, the last couple days, like, they they come onto our street and they, like, stay here for, like, ten minutes. And I'm like, I don't want to hear this song anymore. Um, Anyway. So she starts to get someone on the radio. And then... Cuckoo Lala Girl Pants. I think this one is the baby face girl. Um, no, 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 no. This is pinup girl. She smashes the radio. Yep. And she's like, oh, fuck. Let me go. So she runs back into the house and she's like, I don't even know where the fuck James is, but like, I got to get back to the house now. So now she's like crawling back to the house. But then like eventually, like miraculously, she can walk again with just a minor limp. Whatever. Um she gets back in the house. She's like, I gotta hide. So she goes into what I'm assuming is the quite well-stocked, but also good-sized pantry closet, um, which I gotta say I was pretty envious of, because I wish I had a pantry like that. Um, And so she's hiding in there now. And Mask Dude is, like, walking around, like, I'm going to find you. And she's like, uh, 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 I don't get it. Um, <laughs> and then this is where baby face girl comes into the situation because after mask dude walks away, finally, she's like, got you. We know where you were. And she starts rattling the door. And this is like now where Liv Tyler is like full on like insane psycho. I don't have one iota of my, uh, mental capacity left, which is like kind of zero to 60, whatever. So she's like screaming her bloody head off. She's like, no, 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 no. Oh my God. I don't want to die. So like she comes out of the closet and, um, the, uh, blonde baby doll girl gets the knife from the counter and she starts scraping it over things. And she's like, you're gonna die. And like, yeah, that's creepy. Creepy yeah. as fuck. It's so, creepy and it's done well. Yeah. To be honest. And, and she's like, oh my God, like, just please don't hurt us. Like, why are you doing this? And she doesn't answer this time. But kind of comically, Liv starts rummaging through a drawer and finds like a very small paring knife and is like, don't fuck with me, bitch. I got a paring knife. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, boo-boo, that's not going to do anything for you. No, not in this instance. Um, and, like, the one thing that is the most frustrating thing about this, other than, you know, the entire movie, is that, like, he had a fucking shotgun. Right. Like, did you have one bullet? He had a whole box. I dumped them all over the floor. Well, once he shot that dude in the head, he was like, I ain't got no bullets left. But, like, also, Liv Tyler, you could probably shoot a shotgun if you really wanted to. And also, here's the other thing. If the three creepy dudes, well, not dudes, but the three creepy people that are harassing them were really just after killing them, one of them could have taken the shotgun and made this real quick and easy. That's what but, I'm saying. Like, it just... Well, that's not the case because they clearly are more in it for the torture of this and, like, enjoying it. And, like, that just makes them creepier. So, 
Liv runs to the bedroom. She's like, okay, I'm in the bedroom. Like, cool. Um, but then she, like, opens the door because she thinks she hears what's-his-name, which she does because dude bro in the mask, like, drags him back in the house. Um, but she goes out into the hallway, and then dude bro smashes her face into the wall, and she, like, gets knocked out. But then, like, she comes to pretty quickly, and she's, like, clawing at things, which I was like okay, girl, you got at least a little fight in you. But, like, it's just, like, so sloppy. Like, everything is so sloppy, but, like, in a horrifying way. Yeah. And then it's suddenly the morning time, and Liv and Scott are tied up. And it's, like, the fuck is going on? So they're now they're pleading for their lives. They're, like, come on, like, don't kill us. You don't have to do this. And then... Oh, great. People next door are screaming now. Um, I was like, oh, that's like, that's a pretty good audio file that you found that you dropped in there. No, no, that's just my neighbor screaming for no reason. Oh, I hope they're okay. Um, Yeah, this is the house that's the um, uh, Airbnb. Oh, okay. So it's probably a dude bro vacationing on spring break. Um, Dude bro party? Yeah, something like that. Um, hopefully it'll just won't be as bad as that last time where people were here for a vacation. Yeah, uh, man. And it, and it was a bunch of college children and they played beer pong in the backyard until like 11 o'clock at night while blasting like subpar country music and discussing how Guy Fieri is cool. And it was what? just... What? It, it was Arthur's worst nightmare. It sounds like everybody's worst nightmare. But, like, specifically, a lot of that is, like, Arthur's worst nightmare because he really loves the history of country music, hates Guy Fieri, and hates dude bros. I mean, yeah. Um, Anyhow. Understood. So, so they're tied up. And now you, like, know they're fucked because they take off their masks. Yeah, yuck. And if we know anything, we know that if a killer shows somebody their real face... They're going to die. Yeah, they're going to die. Um, so finally, Liv asked them again, why are you doing this? And now there's this iconic line where the baby doll girl goes, because you were home. Yeah, not a fan. Um, so now they're like, oh, my God, these people are fucking nuts. What are we going to do? We can't go anywhere because we're tied to these chairs. A long story short, um, they profess their love to each other now which is like kind of tacky but like it's just annoying that they made this whole like uh engagement storyline thing so that what like we were on their side like we would have there could have been no story before the knock on the door and we would have still been on these people's sides because these other people are torturing them psychologically and physically. Like, yeah. Like maybe they were trying to like give them like a humanized element, but hi, they're a victim. They're already humanized. Yeah. So they stab the dude first, then they stab Liv Tyler and then they leave and they're driving down the road in their pickup truck and you hear the baby doll girl with the blonde hair go it'll be easier next time which you know i, I guess maybe they were trying to set themselves up for a sequel which there is one but it like took a while for it, it took to- 10 years yeah like what's up with that but uh they they stop to 
speak with these two little boys on bikes who from the beginning of the movie we see um, because they walk into the house and they call the police and they're screaming about how it's all messy and there's blood everywhere and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but now we get their quote unquote backstory that they are going around handing out religious flyers or whatever. And they take one and the one boy asks the platinum blonde baby doll girl, are you a sinner? And she says, sometimes. And then they just get in the car and drive away. And like, if I was those children, I would have just kept walking. I wouldn't have stopped if that truck stopped. Like, why did you do no. that? No, no, I don't like it. Um, but then they go in the house. They're like, oh, fuck, there's blood everywhere. And then I think the real reason that they were, like, so scared and screaming at the beginning of the movie when they called into the police was that um, they go over to live Tyler's body and they, like, touch her or they almost touch her. But either way, she, like, snaps back to, like, you know, being conscious and starts screaming. And she grabs the little boy's hand, like, help me. Um, and that's really the end of the movie. Um, but here is my question. Because I don't know. Sure. And I don't think we'll ever get a clear answer to this. But what is your opinion? Is Liv Tyler still alive or was that a muscle reflex of her dead body no she's still alive because oh. if, if she's fucking screaming i know a little bit about muscle reflex post-mortem um because hi i actually wanted to go to mortuary school mm-hmm. um but no that's that's fully like i am it's like still too, alive. It's too yeah. animated for it to have been a muscle reflex. Yeah. Okay. I I, I agree with you. I'm I sure she. Feel, I'm sure she dies eventually. Yeah, but like shortly I feel like thereafter. It's it's always been like a debate, at least in my house, about like was she really dead or was she not? And I would have to agree with you. That's too much action. Like it wasn't like a scream, but she didn't move. Or, like, she farted, or, like, they touched her and her arm twitched or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, they didn't, like, touch, like, kick her foot and, like, her whole body, you know what I mean? Like, it was way too much of an animated situation for her to even, like, dead bodies don't scream, man. Mm -hmm. Well, dead bodies can release gas that sounds like screaming, but her eyes were open, she moved, like, it's a whole thing. Right, So So she was, she was alive. Um, and that's the end of the movie. That's literally the end. Um, and up until the last moment of this movie, we still see that bluebell fucking ice cream out on the table, which is still strewn with rose petals, spoon in the container, probably completely liquid now, because nobody thought to put it in the fucking freezer. Well, that's on James, and he took that shit. To, he took that guilt to his grave. He took that guilt to his grave. He went up to the gates of heaven, and they were like, "Okay, oh wait, no, we can't admit you because you let that fucking ice cream melt." When gay Jesus was there to judge him, yes, he's like, "Honey, what were you thinking? You weren't. That's the problem. You you let that premium ice cream melt. You ruined it. How fucking dare you!" Um, 
gay chunky Jesus, though, because I don't think gay Jesus specifically would be as mad about that as gay chunky Jesus. Yeah, gay chunky Jesus <sighs> would just been a little, ugh, a little on the livid side, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously it's my big, big frustration with this movie. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a good movie. Like, I love it. It's really good. I think that it's surprising to me that the three villains, especially given they all had, like, a name and a specific mask and look. Right. That there wasn't as much merchandising as there is now. Like, that clown from Terrifier, like, I forget his name, but, like... Art? Yeah. There's fucking you know, stickers and pins and t-shirts, like, all the things. And, like, I feel like these three dudes from this movie are, like, more worthy of that than him. Because if you've ever seen Terrifier, it's, like, okay. We should cover that movie at some point, because I have a lot of qualms with that movie as well. Um, I've never seen it. I know Leanne watched it, and she was like, it's not great. And I was like, okay. Yeah. It's That's all really, I need. It's really not great, but it's perfect for us to read it to fucking filth anyway um i feel like we should probably do that more around like actual halloween time though because that seems like a halloweeny timey movie to me um, i'm f- i'm fine with that assessment it does not fall <laughs> into yeah. the uh category of things that we have planned for summertime no definitely not it doesn't fit there and you all will hear about that shortly but you can't yet it's a surprise i'm very excited for halloween I'm- times it's almost halloween it's halfway to halloween like this week like, honestly, though, can we just skip the summer? Because I'd be so much happier if we could. I mean, fall time is, like, my favorite season. But, like, weather here is it's fucking cold until June. Like, yeah. it's it's not my favorite time of the year. We've already had our fall spring. We've had our mud season. Um, I would like my three weeks of spring before it gets fucking hot. Like, that's what I want. Okay, that's that's valid. But um, also, you and I discussed uh, you coming to visit again this summer. Um, Tattoos Again by Bethany Hendricks. Already discussed that with her. She's very excited. Oh, my God. Um, I need to reach out to her because I have a very specific idea of what this tattoo needs to be. And I know she can bring it to fruition. But I'm just so excited. I mean, she is a fucking genius. And she does not give herself the credit that she is due. Yeah, well, she created Mr. Jeff Sprinkles from scratch. And I saw your sister's tattoo of Sophia, and it's yep. amazing. I mean, mine is coming Friday. It's fucking amazing. Um, We did receive, we as in me, did receive the original copy of Mr. Jeff Sprinkles. Yeah. It's- he is on some beautiful cardstock, and I will be framing him and hanging him in my household probably makes, this week. Makes me so happy. And, um... I mean, I don't think this is, like, really letting any cats out of the bag. But we're working on getting Mr. Death Sprinkles on all different types of merchandise. You just have to hold on that because um, we got to figure that out. But more information coming soon. Um, But we do have stickers. Yeah, we do have stickers. Um, If anyone wants a sticker, reach out. Uh, let us know where to send it. We're not going to charge you for them because um, Jake from Slasher's Pod isn't charging people for them. And um, we do whatever our big brother tells us to do. But also, we just want the people who want them to have them and to spread the word about our podcast more so our little pumpkin patch can grow. Um, 
and hopefully when the time comes in the fall to actually pick the pumpkins, it'll be profitable for us and in a very healthy psychological way. And obviously this was all a metaphor and not actual real life. We just want, we want our gay little podcast to be spread to all the people that are willing to listen to it. And we hope that um, we make you smile. That's all we want. We are not here. We're not here to make money. We do this for free. We've put our own time and money into this. So it's like, we're not asking you to buy merchandise. We're asking you to buy it if you want to buy it. I'm not going to be like, buy our shit, motherfucker, because we just spent $250 to, like, you know, make t-shirts. No, we're not asking that. And, like, honestly, we just really love Mr. Death Sprinkles, and we feel like he is a symbol of all the work that we've put into this passion project. And if nothing else ever happens, which I don't think it won't, but let's just say it doesn't, like, the really good thing that came out of this podcast is at the end of the day, Ashley and I have reconnected and our relationship is like stronger and gayer than ever. And I think that's all that either of us could really ask for. And we just want to spread Mr. Death Sprinkles as far and wide as he can go. Like Um, Like gonorrhea. Yeah. Like gonorrhea, but like nicer, but nicer than gonorrhea because Uh, um, Bethany Hendricks, as I've stated is a fucking genius. She lovingly, curated him for us with our slapstick haphazard jumbled non-artistic brains and was like here you go this is what you wanted right and we were like uh yes this is exactly what we wanted so i'm really excited to be able to share that with everybody and give her the credit that she is due because she's not fucking giving it to herself yeah, it's really fantastic, and we could talk about it for a long time. But anyway, I'm, we could because I'm just so in love with him. Like he's on my body forever. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> yeah, which is which is a weird thing, as like you you went from a non tattooed person to a tattooed person overnight. I, that's literally how it happened. Yeah, it took you little to no convincing. No, it really didn't. And Which was alarming for me because I was like, I have this idea. I don't know how you're going to feel about it, but I'm going to say it. And once I say it, I can't take it back. I mean, honestly, though, the gates have been opened now. And this new tattoo I want, I want it to be like pretty big on my on my right arm. And mm, per per we've discussed, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. this Yeah, we've discussed this, but I'm not going to tell anybody what it is until it happens. And then you can all see it. Um it's a secret. <laughs> it's a it's, it's a secret. Um, yeah, and um, I don't know. Um, we're pumpkins? Just like, pumpkins. We're just like really excited about where things are going, and we are very excited that you are on this journey with us. Whether you're a group of ten or twenty or thirty or whatever, or a group hope- of one, you can be a group of one. We just really hope that. The word keeps spreading and that all the little homosexuals out there that are also really into horror movies find this to be entertaining and fun and get something out of it. And um, as a dad type, I hope that we help you feel normal and like you're one of us and that you're not alone 
and that, you know, um, we as all got an, shit to deal with, you know. As another dad type. <laughs> um, Very true. <laughs> <laughs> this is, like, the truest thing about myself. Um, I'm not modeling myself after my father, but the fathers of television that I watched as a child, a.k.a. I want to be Mr. Rogers for my child. I want yeah. to be wholesome and loving. And <laughs> um, that's what I want for everybody else. I want Just... you guys... Uh, little copulators die first mission, man. Like, find one person that you don't talk to super regularly. Make a friend, you know what I mean? Go out there, introduce them to this podcast, and be like, hey, I I have some weird thing to share with you. And nine times out of ten, somebody will want to share that weird thing with you. It's true. It's Um, true. That's how I've met 90% of my friends, all five of them. I have this weird thing to share with you. Oh, okay. Show me. That's how I became with my now, uh, became friends with my now tattoo artist. We became friends first. And then I was like, hey, you want to do this weird thing? And she was like, uh, yeah, 100%. Sounds like a great time. I mean, there you go. Um, Make a weird friend. Tell them about our podcast. Or just, yeah, make rainbow bridges all over this land, you know? Yeah, Uh, man. Make a bridge. Don't burn them down unless you need to. Yeah, and if we're talking about being specific sitcom fathers, whatever you do, don't be Bill Cosby. That's all. No, um, I'm very much like the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm more so like the mom from uh, the Goldbergs. And... Yeah, Bevolution. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we talked about my Bevolution. Yeah, I feel I, like I, I'll get there, but I just yeah, haven't yet. You know, it, it's going pretty okay so far, but um, yeah, no, I'm definitely Beverly Goldberg, and um, I wish I had her wardrobe of gaudy ass sweaters. Um, it's very eighties from what I've seen. A lot of polyester, good Farrah Fawcett hair. Yeah, it's my, it's my, it's where, it's where I want to be aesthetically all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. Anyway. Um, we didn't rate this movie yet. <laughs> anyway, let's give it a pumpkin. I'm going to give it three. Okay, I'm... I think I'm going to give it 3.5. Okay. Yeah, so what is that, 6.5 out of 10? Yeah. All right, so 65%. Um, what does IMDb give it? I think it was 45. Really? See yeah. that? Yeah. A little bit lower than I expected, but whatever. Oh, well, IMDb gave it 6.2 out of 10. Whoa, so we're actually even more on par this week than we were with that other movie that I forget that we were talking about that we were pretty on par with. But Rotten Tomatoes gives it 48%. Oh, like, that could be where I saw 48%. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. I do. Um, it's not great. But it's not bad. No, it is what it is. What it is, it is a feature of the times. Yeah, I think it is a it is a time capsule of horror. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's very much a time capsule of its time in the history of horror. I think for that we enjoy it a little bit more than Rotten Tomatoes does. But we also know that it's a horror movie, and it was two thousand and eight. So. They were probably not judging it completely fairly because it's a horror movie, so it's not real cinema. Like, blah, blah, blah. I want to punch everybody in the face who says horror isn't real cinema. Like, yeah, get over your fucking self. I feel like, if anything, horror is more of an art house piece of cinema because you have to use tactical items 
in your toolbox to uh-huh. to elicit feelings that are not expressly written. And like not to get too far into it, but do people not want to take horror as seriously as other types of uh, cinema because it's more of a mirror reflection of who we are as human beings than any other movie that they could possibly see because we all have darkness inside of us, motherfuckers. Uh, monsters are inside of us. You know what I'm saying? Not under our beds. But that could be like, no, I totally agree with you. I feel like they don't want to take it seriously. But in any aspect of your life, have you ever experienced the um, cinematic escalation in real time that is a fucking rom-com? No! That has never happened to you or anybody else. There has never been a serendipitous moment in anybody's life that equates to a rom-com or like a drama or like a thriller. Those things don't happen. Like, you know, and especially as two married people, like rom-coms are not reality. They're not real. And that's a really unfair. Yeah. Like pedestal to put anybody on. Like if that's what you're hoping for, you need to get out your bubble and be like, listen, I need to experience real life. Yeah. I need to experience things on an emotional level that cannot be personified in a in a film as real life. Unless we're talking about, you know, Kanail Nanjani is the big sick because him and his wife wrote that about their love story. And I'm sure it's embellished to some degree because it's directed by John Apatow. But I feel like that's like one of the most wholesome fucking like love stories I've ever seen. And mm-hmm. I'm that's not something that I'm like normally into. But also, relationships are work. They don't just happen. Oh, girl, are they work. So, there's that. We have turned a corner. Six, um, six point, six point six pumpkins out of ten. Sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's fine with me. Um, this has been The Strangers. Um, lock your doors. You know, um, just do it. Uh, also, don't go on vacation into the woods of some middle America state because who knows what's going to happen. Even if you go to the Hamptons in New York, like you don't know what the fuck is going to happen. If you're getting somewhere that's isolated, get there while it's still light outside, lock your doors, make sure you have a working phone that does not need to be plugged in in order to work Make sure you have a flashlight that has fresh batteries or power supply that doesn't need batteries ready to go. Okay, people? Yeah. Don't be stupid. Eliminate the chance of this happening to yourself. And um, that's my dad rant for the week, I guess. All right. So with that, my little pumpkins, stay vigilant, stay weird, and keep on keep creeping on. Yes, queen. Um, bye. Bye, guys.